DeMar DeRozan has seen the doubt around him being called overrated yet again, and I'm going to talk about why that could motivate DeMar DeRozan to have one of his best seasons yet. But the biggest question is, even if DeMar DeRozan does have a big season, should the Bulls look to do something with that value that DeMar DeRozan has around the league? We're going to talk about that, plus an article from Joe Cowley at the Chicago Sun-Times talking about the Bulls and how they could be active at the trade deadline. We're going to get into all that, plus the mailbag right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes. You guys can follow me right off the top at CEO Hayes. But more importantly, you can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform. We happen to be on. But with that being said, let's go ahead and get into the content for today. So I talked about yesterday how DeMar DeRozan was called one of the most overrated players by Bleach Report, listed in five players. And while Bleach Report, their written articles are more more missed than hit, DeMar DeRozan has seen it. And he said it in a tweet yesterday, same old shit. And the thing is, and I and I said this during yesterday's episode, the last time any outlets were calling DeMar DeRozan the most overrated offseason signing, DeMar DeRozan came and got busy. And I think the DeMar DeRozan could be poised for another big season for the Chicago Bulls when you look at a couple of factors. It's a contract year. DeMar DeRozan, whether his his future is with the Chicago Bulls or he's going to look to go elsewhere, he doesn't want to go through what he went through last time he was an unrestricted free agent in which there were not a lot of deals out there that he could have got the money that he felt he deserved on, right? Some of the, the you know some of the other contenders that he was going to go to, like the Lakers, when other places the Clippers fell through, and he ended up signing to the Chicago Bulls. So, it being a contract year is already motivation for any player, right? And then when you look at his performance towards the end of the season, DeMar wasn't happy with his performance towards the end of the season, mainly because he had been de- dealing with an injury that we didn't know about for the, for basically the entirety of the season. I think he said since November. And, you know, with, with that said, like, DeMar DeRozan still having the season that he had dealing with an injury that's not like a huge injury but definitely made him uncomfortable at times just shows how resilient and how much of a warrior DeMar DeRozan is. He's hopefully coming into this season fully healthy, hopefully going to be able to stay fully healthy, and we could see him just by the nature of being more healthy, not fighting discomfort, not fighting a little tenseness as he you know, talked about it with that thigh hamstring injury. We could see DeMar DeRozan have an even bigger and more efficient season than what he had. Then on top of that, DeMar's already talked about his need to want to shoot more threes. We've heard it. We've seen it. He's practicing more threes. And while I don't ever see DeMar DeRozan being a knockdown three-point shooter at this point of his career, about to turn 34 in about two and a half weeks, um, when you look at just the volume, if, if, if DeMar DeRozan, he shot it last year at 32% clip, and he shot it the year before that, surprisingly, at a 35% clip, taking 1.9 three-pointers per game each season. If DeMar is even going to be 30% uh, three-point shooter, 30 to 32% taking about two to four threes a game, that's going to help the Chicago Bulls stretch out that floor a little bit more, just just a little bit, right? It's not going to be huge, and you don't want to look for DeMar. A lot of your three-point shooting didn't come from DeMar, but he can't help in those areas, right? And then when you look at this, do not overlook how petty DeMar DeRozan is. Keep in mind, this is still the guy from Compton. This is still the guy who talked about how he plays with a chip on his shoulder, still wants to prove people wrong. We just had a clip on that during last season. But best believe, he's seeing all this doubt. He's seeing all this, not just around him, but around the team in general, and it's going to motivate him. And so I think that DeMar DeRozan is going to come in, and we could see an even better DeMar than what we saw last season. Now, I don't know if he's going to reach the 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 highs that he did the season before last where he's breaking Wilk Chamberlain records and things like that. 
But best believe, DeMar's going to show and prove why he is not an overrated player in this league, and you guys can keep doubting DeMar DeRozan. And like I said before, while I'm somebody who's very much a, a proponent, right, and a, a not against the Bulls, maybe looking to move DeMar DeRozan, depending on if they get the, the proper value in a deal, that still does not mean that I, that I think DeMar is a terrible player because he is not. And so when you look at just where he ranks on the all-time scoring list, the fact that he's only about 50 points less scored than Steph Curry, I think he sits at number 39 on the all-time scoring list, and he and he's taken a fraction of the amount of threes. Steph Curry has made over 3,000 three-pointers in his career. Uh, DeMar DeRozan has made less than 500, and the fact that they are not separated by that many points, it shows you what DeMar DeRozan can be scoring-wise. Now, it does bring the typical DeMar DeRozan conversation on Okay, but does the scoring count when it matters the most, when the lights are on? And that's where you have to have a team that supports it. But that brings us into the next half of this, right? DeMar being in a contract year, all the things that I just labeled for DeMar are those things that AK and Eversley may look to get value out of, maybe on the trade market to look at this team. We've already talked about it. This team still has part of their mid-level exception, a disabled player exception, and their full biannual exception all at their disposal. And that is a nice set of assets to have at your disposal at midseason if the Bulls do decide to do something. But I, as as we go further along in this, I've already said, I expect DeMar DeRozan to sign an extension more so than be traded. That just seems like what this front office does. And so, you know, we'll end up seeing, man. We'll end up seeing. You guys can let me know your thoughts down below. But while we're talking about the trade deadline, Joe Cowley had an article over at the Chicago Sun-Times mainly talking about Zach Levine and how everything's quiet on the trade front for Zach Levine now, but that does not mean that AK and Eversley could not look to do something if the Bulls continue to struggle at the trade deadline. And I want to kind of talk about it from that point, right? Not the, the fact of circling it around Zach Levine. I still think that the Bulls aren't necessarily, well, it depends. If they decide to go full rebuild, I do think at that point, yeah, Zach's on the table. But I think if they if they go more the way of retooling, maybe trying to get a little bit younger with some upside, I think there is absolutely a chance Zach could stay. But we need to talk about the chances that this Chicago Bulls team has to make something happen at the deadline if needed, right? And so when you look at it, one of the things that Cowley did point out in this article that I think was a fair point is that how teams would be adjusting and preparing for the new CBA by the midseason deadline. Now, he used it in the sense of, our team's going to be willing to take on Zach Levine's huge contract because they could be preparing for that more penalizing second tax apron. But I'm going to say this on the flip side. I think that the Chicago Bulls, that can make them even more buyers at the trade deadline because there are going to be some teams that have high tax bills that look at it and say, listen, this team isn't going to make a finals, a conference finals. We need to sell off some of these pieces so we're not selling, so we're not having a huge tax bill by the end of the season. And so the Bulls could be in a prime position to take on some of those salaries like I said you look at the disabled player exception can absorb up to 10.2 million dollars on that exception of a salary you look at their mid-level exception now that can only be used in the buyout market right can't really use a mid-level exception to acquire a player um in in the in the mid-season or the biannual exception but just by the nature of having those and being able to create tra um, trade exceptions for the teams to where they can then go out and acquire somebody at a, a minimum for not really having to sit on a lot of assets. The Bulls can't possibly, right? And, and you know, it always, with the Bulls, it's always, yeah, you, you can never really bet on things, but the Bulls do sit in a situation where it could be promising for them at the trade deadline. The biggest question is, are they going to actually make a move? Now, that's where some doubt starts to creep in at, right? Because we don't know. Like, th th this AK and Eversley have had quiet trade deadlines two, two years in a row, right? 
the third, the first year they were on, that's when they got active. They traded a bunch of players away um, and Wendell and, and Daniel Gafford, players like that. But like ultimately, it's been quiet on the trade deadline front. And so there is enough mindset based off what AK has said that to think, hey, if the Bulls can be between four and six, maybe then they, they can do something to go into the trade, uh, the, to the luxury tax, and maybe uh, old man Jerry will pay it. But, you know, even if they don't do that, if they, you look to aggregate salaries, combine some things so they're still not necessarily over the tax, but they do absorb some salaries into some things, send out, you know, uh, some salaries as well, that's a possibility. I talked about the way that the Bulls have signed their, structured their contracts this, uh, this season. All of them, their extensions and the contracts of newly signed players, Torrey Craig and Javon Carter, they have set themselves in a situation where they all these deals are movable. They're easily added in to match salaries, things like that. The Bulls have in a, in a better position than that than what they've been the last two years. So while I'm not holding out any hope, I want to see what this team looks like first before we worry about trade deadline. I know it's basketball. A lot of Bulls fans are already thinking about, oh, we can trade this guy. But ultimately, it's all about setting yourself up with the best assets. But one of the things with that is that we've seen AK and Eversley have assets before that whether it be through not going to the luxury tax or ownership, they just have not used. So, you know, with this team, having assets is one thing. It's how they're going to use. It. We'll talk about that as we go on through this season. But let's go ahead. That's enough of me uh, talking. Let's get into the mail back for today. This first voicemail, this one's from Shay. Yo, hey, man. Hey, look, I know this may seem crazy when I say this, but man... In order for us to get the most out of Patrick Williams, and I know I've been here, a lot of people say, oh, he needs to be more aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that is true, but I think we might have to establish him as a second option on this team. Now, look, I know DeMar DeRozan is in the contract year, but I believe that DeMar DeRozan is going to get the money that comes that comes to him. But I think we have to establish Patrick Williams as a second option on this team. Now, I know what you're going to say. Oh, he has to want it. Yeah, that's true. You're going to have to be more aggressive, but if you really want to get the best out of Patrick Williams, you're going to have to establish him as the second option on this team. Because I believe that DeMar DeRozan can get his at any time. You know, he you can hold him to 10 points in the first half and he'll give you 40 in the second half. But I think we have to establish Patrick Williams early in games, you know, let him get the feel of it. But in all reality, if you really want that next step, you're going to have to establish him as the second option on this team. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. All right. Establishing P. Will as a second option. Here's what I'm going to say to that. You can't establish someone as your second option that you have not seen a sustained level of play or aggression from. I would love for people. And here's what I'll say. I'll say a mixture of, I do, and we saw it some last season, right? We saw it some with Vooch too. Billy Donovan did run sets. There were a couple of games, I think it was a handful of games in a row, that Billy Donovan, the opening two plays were run for, ran for Patrick Williams. Now, I think that, we need to see a little bit more of that, but making him your second option, you can't even bet on a sustained level of play for him. For a team that's trying to win, that's just not the right decision. Now, I do. I, that's not to say that Billy Donovan shouldn't run more for Patrick Williams. That he shouldn't run more options for Pat and get him involved in more things, whether it be for him to, you know, uh, distribute the ball, use his point forward kind of abilities, or it be for him to eventually shoot it. So and try to score and take it to the rim. He needs to run more for Patrick Williams. I, I, I even, as much as I believe that truly, I still wouldn't say that it's it's ready, P-Will's ready at the position to be able to take a second option type role. Like, it's just not. There's steps to this. There's levels to this. And so, ultimately, I don't think that P-Will's ready for that yet. He has not shown enough to be ready for that yet, but I do think that you need to be moving him, and hopefully he's progressing towards that. We haven't really seen it yet, but, like, 
Hopefully, Patrick Williams, who did take a step last season, hopefully he takes another step and maybe even a bigger step this year to where we can then start saying, hey, Billy, it's time. It's time to start turning over some things to P. Will, but he has to show it. That's just what it's trying to go to. And it would be different if this was a team that was not trying to compete, right? They're not contending. We all know that. But trying to compete, right, and actually win as many games as possible. If this was a team that was not necessarily a tanking team either, but a development team that is that is – their sole focus is developing their young players. Yeah, absolutely. At that point, P. Will should be high on that list. But that isn't where this team is right now. But I do understand where your mindset is on that completely, Shay. Thank you for the voicemail. Let's get into this next one. This one's from Q. Hey, Hayes. How you doing? Uh, it's me, Q. Um, I just watched your uh, uh, your video. I, I watched the Locked On Bulls uh, video. And you and When you and Pat were talking about uh, – uh, P. Will, and that you know these, these articles you know, on Bleacher Report, kind of like what I was talking about before. Like just these articles on Bleacher Report and all these other crappy media networks, uh, just writing headlines and trying to get headlines talking about you know Pat is the weakest link. I mean, I wouldn't say that Pat is a weak or P. Will is a weak link. I just think that I don't. I think that's asinine. Realistically, he hasn't done that much on the court to be a weak link. I'd say that he's more of a wild card. I- Experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code BULLCENTRAL, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code BULLCENTRAL to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra-low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. say that that's a better way to describe him because I view him as a wild card because if because either way, if he improves or if he doesn't improve, it will affect the team. You know, it, it will affect the team whether he improves or he doesn't. But I wouldn't say that he's a weak link. In my opinion, I, I would say that I, I, I would say that more of of the weak link is uh, is Vucevic, just because I, I just think that in terms of spacing the floor. It's a little bit hard to do that with him. That's just my opinion. I don't think he's a bad player, but I just think that's a weak link in terms of how teams, other teams can attack uh, our defense. Um, and then the uh, – uh, uh, and I just watched the mailbag. You talked about DeMar, you know, shooting three. You know, I, I think if he could at least have a an average – 
three-point percentage, just league average three-point percentage, I think that would make a huge difference uh, for the team. Uh, I honestly think, personally, I think it would be better if Dak did some more shooting, but that's just my opinion. And my and I'll just I have one question. So you know, hypothetical. Let's say AK. It, you know, Ryan Storff decides to fire AK, and for some reason, somehow, they come to you and they say, hey, would you want to be the GM of the team? And they hire you as the GM of the team. What would be some of the first things that you would do if you were the GM of the team? Um, and that's my uh, hypothetical question. And, uh, you know, love your content. Keep up the good work, man. And, yeah, I'll uh, send another voicemail later at some point. People more of a wild card. I, see, I... I don't know if I agree with that. Like, when I look at wild cards, I think of that in a positive way. Like, people is a wild card in the sense that, hey, he showed up today. And I, like I said, and I, I hate sounding overly negative on P-Will because I'm still very positive on P-Will. Like, let me be clear. I'm not one of those people that are like, P-Will's a bust. Get him out of here. Let's trade him for anything. No, it's not that. I just want to see P-Will unlock a little bit more of his aggression, and I want to see Billy Donovan utilize him better and run more things for him. And that's what I think was going to help unlock P-Will a lot there, personally. That's what I think. We'll end up seeing if that does happen. Um, now, as far as your second part of your question, if I was given the GM, what would be the first thing that I would do? Fire Billy Donovan. Like, it's like, it's not even the right. I want a, a coach that would be better kind of at, at, at creating a system around their players and a coach that has a better eye on developing, right? And then I'd want, then I'd evaluate, okay, what do we have in these young guys, right? That would be my first step. It wouldn't be trading DeMar. It wouldn't even be trading Zach. It wouldn't be anything like that. It's, I want a better coach, personally, in my opinion, in there. That's what I'd kind of do. But, hey, not everybody's going to share that opinion. Let us know what you guys think down below. All right, let's get into this next one. This one's from Big O. What's going on? Hey, it's your boy Big O. My boy's getting a little bit better, man. Uh, great response to my last call in. Uh, you know, both could be true when you were talking about Zach Levine and the price that they set for him. You're absolutely right. Both could be true because I, I – I don't, you know, think that it's like they just want to get rid of Levine. Like, we just got to get rid of, you know, uh, for this particular price. But also at the same time, you know, setting a, setting a value for them down the line if, you know, they need to move on from them or they want to move on from them later on. <clears throat> but um, also chimed in about um, uh, your video you did today. Uh, you dropped on, uh, what's today, Monday? Um, <clears throat> regarding DeMar DeRozan. Because uh, I know there's a lot of people, you know, people that never played sports before, they don't understand how much uh, the players uh, love DeMar DeRozan. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I hear a lot of these callers call in one of DeMar gone because he's stunning people grow or he's shooting the ball every lot of times. As if, you know, uh, uh, Zach Levine and Kobe White, those guys are frustrated that he's shooting. You know what I mean? They actually look up to DeMar. They know DeMar's one of their top guys, you know, they love when DeMar is out there being DeMar and, and, and being great and leading the team and, and helping them win games. Those guys love DeMar. So, you know, I kind of like want to nip that in the bud as far as how fans think about it, how, how we see it and what actually the chemistry uh, is within the team. You know what I mean? Uh, <clears throat> those guys look for DeMar to shoot those shots in those possessions. And it brings it back to what you were saying, it's coaching. You know what I mean? 
You know, hell, even Billy won't DeMar shooting, still shooting them shots better no matter a lot of times. But it still has to be a better way to do it to get everybody involved and to tap into everybody's potential. So, you know, we, we get what DeMar is. We understand that. We understand that. But like you said, he's still an all-star caliber player. You know what I mean? And when he's on, you're going to absolutely love him because he can single-handedly win you a game when he's on. You know what I mean? That's for him and Levine. So, I, yeah, I just wanted to kind of uh, uh, piggyback put you on that. Um, you know, them, 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 them guys love DeMar. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't find nobody on that team to say anything bad about DeMar DeRozan. They're like training with him. So, don't, you know, I want people to take that selfish contact. You take it out of context. The selfish part of it is what you see versus how the players feel about it. They love DeMar. You know what I mean? So, uh, <clears throat> they know what his game is, but everybody got to step up for the team to be better. So, thanks for taking the call, Hayes. Keep doing your thing, brother. Listen, the players on the team love DeMar. And I think the players in general on this team love each other, right? And I think they have good and fun times together. And that's all fine and dandy. But you can love somebody and it still not work out. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Like, I, here's the thing. I love DeMar. As a person, as a mentor, as all of that. I love what DeMar has brought to the Chicago Bulls. He's been an important culture changer. And I've said it before, the lessons that that Dalen Terry, Patrick Williams, Kobe White have learned from just, and Io DeSumo have learned from just DeMar taking them under their wings, it's going to pay dividends future and further into their career than what we can ever see. The biggest question is, are they going to have careers that are still here on this, in the Chicago Bulls uniform where we're fighting for something meaningful? But DeMar has been hugely important to that part of it right because that's not zach zach isn't a mentor he's not he's not that old yet he's still trying to figure out himself he's not a mentor we needed that now we still need a leader a vocal leader on the court i think and demar and zach both aren't aren't that they're very nice guys but they're not really the type that's just going to go off on you and check you and tell you to go where you need to go um that's why pat bev was so important to the bulls but yeah the players love demar and like i said like that what he's taught them what they've seen from watching him going to work out with them, all those things, those are going to be things whether they realize it not or, 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 or realize it yet or not, that later in their careers, they're going to go back to those moments and be like, hey, that's funny. I used to do this with DeMar. Like, that's where they – DeMar's done the same thing with Kobe, right? He learned from Kobe. It didn't trickle down, and now players have learned it from DeMar. And that's going to hopefully continue, and hopefully our players are the ones that are mentoring the next wave eventually and that we've, we've seen them develop into those spots. Hopefully. That's what I hope to see. Let me know what you guys think. All right, let's get into this next one. This one's from Keller. Casual Keller, I should say. All right, this is Keller again, and this one might be intelligent. I think this one might make sense. Um, you've been hard on Billy, that Billy, Billy, what do you call him? Billy Chewing Gum, Billy Chewing Gum Donovan. Um, and I'm kind of digging in and reading a lot and watching some games and stuff to see what you guys are all talking about. Now, I've defended him on his playing time patterns because the roster didn't have anybody. What's he supposed to do? Sub in size? You know, when... Andre Drummond is zero stepping and turning it over, and um, that's it. That's all the height they had. Um, now, I will say this is what I want Donovan to do, and I'd like to know if you think this is smart. Uh, one thing would be in his offense, I know he's not telling Patrick Williams, hey, you, stand in the corner. Don't do anything. You're just standing there. You're, that's all you're good for. I know he's not, but Williams does that for, like, possessions on end, and some of the other guys might not know where to go. I think he needs to put in set movements, like set patterns or set plays to get them on the move and get them going. Defensively, um, I don't like that thing where they – you said this, and I agree, um, where they crash. They don't crash offensive boards at all. The center does. They all four go back. 
Um, I think he has to get them to buy into a defense. I think they have to get rid of the drop coverage so they can rotate on threes so guys like Max Struess don't hit seven or eight of them. And um, just hold them accountable. And if they're not going to do it, hey, look, take them out. Zach Levine, you're one for 15, not playing defense. Sit down. DeMar, you're going one on four and passing up um, good pass for guys on the threes and not playing defense. Take a seat. You're not that good. They're not at that level. like to know what you would think. And it, this one was smart. This was smart now. I'm putting, in some, I'm putting in some effort. All right, bye. All right, so what you're referring to there is running options. That's what that's called in the offense. It's running options for people. And that, that's what breathes that movement, that, that flow on offense is to create off-ball movement, player movement, things like that, is you run options in plays that have branches off, right? So meaning that, hey, it's a read and react type style, right? We're, this, is the, this is the play we're running, but if the defense does this certain action, then we're going to pivot this way. If the defense does this other action, we're going to pivot towards that player, and then it branches off from that. That is absolutely, I think, the best system that the Chicago Bulls should be in, considering trying to get development, trying to get shots from other players, trying to open up things, move ball around. That's what I've been preaching here for the longest. Off-ball movement, player movement needs to be, and that is why Alice Caruso is so important for the Bulls, even when his shot isn't falling, because he's always moving without the ball, and it helps create some separation, helps create some space, even if DeMar does go to work in the mid-range. That is what we need on this team. Absolutely great point on that one. As far as the BD portion, Billy Donovan is not a coach that's going to hold players accountable. He tried it. With the, with the Zach Levine thing, and I think that backfired. I think that put that genie back in the, in the bottle. I don't think Billy Donovan is going to really try to hold too many players accountable. That He's going to sit players for bad defense or anything like that. He will. Well, let me not say that. He will, but not DeMar, Zach, and Vooch. Probably just not Zach and DeMar because we've seen him even sit Vooch at times. Those two players, he doesn't really he doesn't really do too much with even when they're playing bad. And so I would like to see him hold more players accountable to say, hey, your job, you're, you're not scoring well and you're not playing good defense. We're going to run with Kobe. Kobe's cooking defensively right now. We're going to roll with Daylon. If Daylon's defense does show, like, I would love to see that. And, you know, we see with some players, Patrick Williams, I would assume we definitely have that short lease. But I would, I would like to see the older and veteran players held a little bit more accountable as well, if I'm being 100% honest with you. Dakota, great voicemail on that one. Let's get into this last one. This one's actually a text from Monte. Let me know if I'm pronouncing that right. And they say this. First time text, I listen to the show every day. I believe this team can finish between third and sixth in the East if Billy uses better judgment and rotations. Better defense from bigs. Kobe becomes a legit six-man candidate, which means Carter is starting. Lastly, win games they should. Uh, they lost a couple uh, to the Wizards that bugged the hell out of me. Let me tell you how important that last part is. The Bulls lost games, so many games to teams that they should not have lost games to last season. And even in me talking about how the Bulls lost games in the margins and they made more field goals than the other team, but because the other team shot threes, the other team ended up winning. On top of all of that, the Bulls lost a level of competition teams that they should not have level, lost to. And hopefully this season we get a sustained level of play. That's why having an identity is hugely important for a team. And hopefully this team starts off that season with that identity and we start seeing a sustained level of play early on to where they're taking care of the teams that they should be. They're still going to lose a couple of that. That happens every season. Uh, teams lose a couple of games to teams that are just worse than them. But it feels like it happened so much to the Chicago Bulls last season um, that I hope that they can improve that as well. And you know, let me let me address something else. This isn't what it – for those Bulls fans that always say, well, the Bulls beat the better teams in the East because they clearly weren't trying. Watch more basketball games than try to try to add in logic after the points a game you clearly didn't fucking watch. All right, that's enough of that. That's my time for today. Make sure you guys are following the show 
at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. BullCentralPod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail for our mailbag episodes, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like I like to end every episode on. Go Bulls. Love you guys. See you right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.